Hello, and welcome to the 10th episode of Mask Murder, your true crime self-care podcast. We're your hostesses, Avery and Nicole. And if you don't know by now, or if you're a first-time listener, welcome. We're here to tell you about two things, masks and murder. First, we're going to dive into a true crime story, and then we're going to follow it up a little self-care sesh where we try out a new face mask and tell you what we think about it. But before we get down to it, we just want to remind everyone that we are not psychologists or statisticians and have no medical background. So please don't take our comments as hard fact. We did our best to research everything via Google and adding in with our true crime obsessions. This is what we came up with. So guys, four big double digits. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. We decided to do our first sort of request. Our dear friend Liz has asked us to do a murder from her home state of Montana. But she didn't give us an actual crime because she's super lazy. So, of course, we did our best to oblige. You're welcome in advance, Liz. The story we've chosen is that of Ronald James Ward Jr., who committed multiple murders in Arkansas, California, and Montana in 2000. While his murders spanned over multiple states, he was ultimately sentenced to life in both Montana and Arkansas a sentence that would be served in Montana State Prison. So, Liz, this counts, and you just have to accept it. Love you, mean it. (laughs) Ronald was born in the small town of Hood River, Oregon, in 1966. His parents divorced when he was young. Now, we've talked about the various effects that divorce can have on kids in a previous episode, but just to give a quick recap, it can lead to poor performance in academics due to confusion around the change in their lives and being distracted by that loss of interest in social activities that they liked before, difficulty adapting to change, such as new family dynamics, living situations, schools, or friends, being emotionally sensitive, which can lead to outbursts of anger, confusion, or anxiety, and destructive behavior. Children who have experienced divorce in the previous 20 years of their lives are more likely to commit crimes and rebel through destructive behaviors. Now, his parents likely divorced because Ronald Sr., his father, reportedly was an abusive womanizer. So much so that Ronald Jr. claims that he had a total of eight stepmothers throughout his life. Really amplifying the fact that he had a lack of stability growing up and making his father kind of a questionable questionable role model for him. According to a 2018 study that focused on the effects of step-parents on the family, children fare better in terms of psychological, social, and behavioral health when they perceive relationships in the family as positive, available, stable, and secure. Makes sense. Children and families that maintain positive relationships may experience a greater sense of stability and support. On the other hand, those with conflictual family relationships may experience the transition to the family as a significant loss, a source of stress and threat to their emotional security. With so many reported stepmothers, this is no doubt a source of stress that had a negative impact on Ronald's emotional well-being and development. Ronald dropped out of school in just sixth grade, which is I don't know, insane. Uh, It's a little indicative of the first negative effect of divorce that we mentioned before on a child, poor performance in academics. But honestly, what do you do when you drop out in sixth grade? Do you go get a job? I I just don't feel like that's a thing. Not in the 70s. I don't don't know. I mean, you're what, like 10, 11, maybe, when you're in the sixth grade? So at that point, nothing? Maybe drugs? Yard work? I don't know. But a little while later... Roughly nine, ten years, nine, ten, nine, eight, eight or nine. Math <laughs> is hard. Um, Ronald would go on to marry a woman named Donna, 
who already had six children of her own. All right, first speculation. I'm going to go with that this was probably because he craved a family of his own, one that he had some level of control over since his father has so many different women in and out of his life, you know, his hub. His hub? His hub. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why I said it. I don't know. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> Just came out. Yeah. So because of Ronald's disdain for how his father had been Tim growing up, Ronald decided he was going to be a better father to Donna's children than his own father had been to him. He was very kind to the children and would take them out on family walks and to go do fun activities together, both things that he hadn't been able to participate in as a child. However, this loving father role that Ronald put himself into didn't last very long. He would start to use heavy drugs, and Donna just wasn't having it. When he didn't pull his life together, she left him. Good for fucking her. Yeah, right? good, Not many good job, Donna. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta draw a line in the sand somewhere. She drew it, and she fucking left him. She took her kids, and she moved to Arkansas, which left Ronald losing all contact with his sti- his six stepchildren. That's kind of a tongue twister. A little bit. Six <laughs> stepchildren. Say that six times fast. Ronald's drug use didn't only affect his home life, though. It would also make it hard for him to hold a steady job. And in order to make ends meet, Ronald would bounce between multiple jobs, working as a truck driver, a home builder, and even a commercial fisherman which was apparently the one that he enjoyed the most. Then, in 1999, he met Patty Ann Baker, a divorcee with three children. Her husband had left her with no means to take care of herself or their children, and she was looking for a man to help fill that void in her and her children's lives. The two quickly started dating and would move to West Virginia so that Patty could be closer to her family, which I don't know why she didn't just go there to begin with. I don't know. Something must have been keeping her around, I guess. Wait, I mean, maybe. I don't know. Maybe just comfort. It's hassle to move. Hassle, lack of money, lack of assistance. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. Lack of money. It does cost a lot to move. It does. So in West Virginia, Ronald would begin to work as a garbage truck driver. And then one night the next year, so in the year 2000, he would come home to find Hattie with another man, which obviously pissed him off. And what's not so obvious is Ronald's reaction. He would grab five jugs of moonshine, heroin, and cocaine. You know, the essentials. And then he would storm out to his truck saying he was driving to Montana to find his mom. Okay, this just makes me think of a little kid running to tell their mom on someone. Like, I don't know, just like a little boy with one of those little pinwheels on his No, I'm totally with you. Literally, all I can picture is a little kid crying and saying, I want my mommy! So, like, no. it's I'm 100% with you. To, to bounce off that, sort of, I guess. It's really not clear if Ronald ever kept in touch with his mom after her divorce from Ronald Sr. So, I find this to be, like, an interesting, like, reach for him. Yeah, a hole in the story, perhaps. Yeah, like, was she there all along? And I don't know. Maybe that's him regressing into his childhood feelings of needing his mommy. I don't know. Mommy, mommy. Exactly. I, that, that actually might be very true. I don't know. Anywho, on the way to Montana, he drove through Arkansas, where he would commit his first murder in a drunken, drug-induced haze. This pulls Ronald into the disorganized serial killer typo- typology. Got it. Uh, but the... <laughs> I'm funny. All right. But since this was his first kill, (laughs) since it was his first kill, (laughs) 
that just makes him a disorganized killer. And let's see if it sticks. You know, like a pen does. But with this M.O. and his future crimes. This murder uh, is the one that we have the most information on. 25-year-old Kristen Lawright. Lawright? Yeah. Lawright. Uh, Lawright. I think Lawright sounds good. Uh, was on a road trip in August of 2000. Now, this type of trip wasn't out of the ordinary for Kristen. Friends and family described her as a free spirit, kind-hearted, and a young hippie. She traveled across the country multiple times, likely following her favorite bands, The Grateful Dead and Fish, which gave her a chance to visit the 48 contiguous United States. She was traveling from New Jersey to California with her two dogs in a 1971 VW van. She was road tripping out to California because she got a new job at an alternative preschool, which this whole thing seems a little time warpy to me. She was driving a 70s van. She obviously was very, you know, like hippie, so fits the car she was driving, which gives me a whole Charlie Manson vibe. And looking at her picture, the car seems to fit her personality, like I said, um, but it's just kind of an interesting nugget since it wasn't necessarily a common vehicle in 2000. Yeah, no, but like you said, she was a free spirit and sort of hippie, so it definitely fits that whole vibe and, you know, her kind of persona. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most people pick, you know, vehicles and, let's go for it, dogs that kind of look like them and fit them, so not a far stretch, just interesting. Kristen took a break at a rest stop in Arkansas off of Interstate 40 to let the van cool down, use the facilities, and let herself and her two dogs stretch their legs a bit. Oddly enough, this specific rest stop was actually the scene of a different of a different murder about three years earlier. Because of this crime, the state made multiple efforts to make this rest stop, and I guess all of the rest stops, safer environments. These efforts included installing security cameras around the property. Wait, when you say because of this crime, do you mean the crime against in or the crime three years earlier? Crime. crime three years earlier. So there were cameras when Kristen stopped? Correct. Okay, just checking. But, you know, just because you asked me this, unfortunately, the cameras were down on August 25th, 2000 for maintenance, which, isn't that always how it happens? Ugh, I know. It seems super convenient, but there's also no way that Ronald would have known that the cameras were down. I mean... He was also driving from a different state, West Virginia, and he seemingly just, you know, got, quote unquote, lucky, which makes my skin crawl saying that. But it's, you know, the odds were in his favor. Yeah. I mean, you're 100% right. There's no way he could have known that those cameras weren't working, if he even noticed. Yeah. Going back to all the fun things the cameras did not find that day, uh, Ronald would mm, rape beat, strangle, and stab Kristen at least 10 times, causing her death at this rest stop. Oh my god. So, he was so hurt by Hattie that it sent him so far over the edge. Like, I wonder if the two maybe looked similar, and that's what kind of set him off, and why he picked her as the victim, or if it was just, you know, a crime of opportunity. Yeah, no, it's a solid question, and I have absolutely no idea. Uh, either one could be really possible, which is kind of even more terrifying. It doesn't seem like he had a type because he had killed before, but crime of opportunity. I mean, that can happen anywhere. To anyone. Yeah. Just be safe. Everyone, take precautions. Be aware of your surroundings. Yeah. All right, getting back to Kristen's story. Ronald dumped her body near a pond behind the rest stop facilities. Stayed behind to have a few beers and smoke some cigarettes and eventually left the scene, which 
sounds a lot like he wasn't really concerned uh, about what he just did and the idea of getting caught. I assume that he might have spotted the security cameras on the property while he was there, but it didn't cause him much concern. That then leads me to think that he was unconcerned about any consequences of his actions, making him one of the most dangerous people possible. When you have nothing else to lose, what's stopping you from doing bad things? Yeah, I mean, that's true, but he was also drunk and high. I mean, he had taken heroin and cocaine with him, so who knows what drugs he was on. And maybe he was just so fucked up that he literally had no care in the world and maybe even didn't even notice the cameras. No, that's a great point. Just completely not... Oblivious to the world, yeah. Oblivious to all of the issues around him, what he could possibly be doing. That is possible. On August 26th, a married uh, truck driving duo would pull into the same rest stop and find Kristen's dogs out loose with no leashes on. One was running around freely while the other was lingering around Kristen's van, which had the doors wide open. This gives me two ideas. It either means that Ronald grabbed Kristen while she was at her car, which seems a little unlikely because dogs are a deterrent for people to commit crimes around someone because they're likely to try and protect you, or that Ronald went back to the van after committing the crime and opened the door for the dogs, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think in my mind I was just kind of assuming that he attacked her when she was getting back to the van after using the restrooms and was going to let the dogs out. But then, like you said, she they probably would have tried to protect her and attack him. So, I'm honestly, I'm not sure. Well, actually, the idea if he was too drunk on whatever he was on yeah. at the time yeah. to think about consequences or have probably memories of everything... I guess the only way we would know if the dog attacked him is if he told someone. So maybe he had bite marks and he was like, oh, I must have like gotten scraped by a tree really badly. Yeah, maybe so, I fell down. No idea. No, maybe. That's a good point. Maybe, I don't know. It's hard to get information when the person probably doesn't remember. Yeah, doesn't even remember what they did. Oh, I'm also, I don't know if I read anywhere what kind of dogs they were. Oh, no. Did you? I don't know. In my head, I'm just assuming German Shepherds. I don't know. Oh, my God. That's exactly what I was picturing. <laughs> like, a German Shepherd and, like, maybe, like, a lab were, like, the two things. That I have no idea head. why. No. It's really funny that both of our heads went there. Yeah. I, mean, it, I, don't, I don't know. What's, like, a hippie free-loving dog? Probably not a German Shepherd. But like I, I just think you think big, big dogs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but those German are, are chill. Yeah, but they're also super loyal, so. Yeah, well, any big dog would be a pretty pretty good deterrent yeah i don't know big old teeth yeah but uh i don't know back to the story avery the couple tried looking around to locate the owner of the dogs but had no success they decided to call the number on one of the dog's tags which would put them in touch with Kristen's mother who immediately knew something was wrong because her daughter would never abandon her dogs Uh, so the authorities were called and when they arrived on the scene the dogs quickly led them to the location of Kristen's body Oh my god, this breaks my heart so much because it means they had been visiting her, they knew where she was because they loved her so much. It's just, dogs are the absolute best. It just gives me all the feels. I know, they really are. I don't know what humans did to deserve dogs, but I really just, I don't think we do. I know, as she's asleep on the floor. Sleeping on the floor. Zero help. Shocker. Mm -hmm. 
So when they arrived at Kristen's body, police found that her sundress had been torn from her body and tossed aside. There was very little blood in the area, which led investigators to believe that Kristen had been lured to someone's vehicle, and that was likely the scene of the crime, and that this was merely a dumping ground. They found cigarette butts and empty beer cans near the body, both of which contained DNA, and that would be collected for evidence. Okay, so since DNA testing was available as early as the late 80s, do you think this means that Ronald didn't care about DNA because he left it, or that he wasn't aware. I kind of assumed that it wasn't a common thing for everyone to know. I don't know. I kind of feel like it's a combination that he was so drunk and so high that he didn't think about it. But also, he might not have realized because, like we said earlier, he dropped out of school in, what, sixth grade? So maybe he just didn't have the awareness and the knowledge about what was going on with DNA? Yeah, perhaps he never got really into NPR, watching the news. What? You mean that wasn't like his morning routine? He turned on NPR and see what's going on in the world. Yeah. No? All right. But after they ran the evidence, there was no immediate match for the DNA in Arkansas. So investigators would go on to submit the sample to the FBI's National DNA Index. But at the time, there was a huge backlog of cases, and it would take years before it could be analyzed. And because of this delay, Kristen's case would turn cold for about two years. Kristen's desperate family and friends would raise enough money and would erect two billboards off of Interstate 40 with a picture of Kristen that asked, Do you know who murdered me? I find it so interesting how many cases end up with billboards as a mean of keeping a case alive. I know that there were like the free billboards used in that Baltimore case. And then I'm sure the most widely known cases is the movie, uh, Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri, which was actually based on a true story of a father demanding justice for his daughter in Bender, Texas. There are obviously countless other stories around the country, but actually... Maybe that'd be an interesting thing for us to dive into a bit more. Nicole, we should do that. You mean, wait, you mean like do a billboard series? Yeah. Oh my God, I'm totally game. Uh, I, cause like you said, I feel like I've heard a ton of stories about families taking out billboards to help spark some movement in the case. Let's, let's make a list. Let's add All right. It. All right. Yeah. Everyone, watch out for it. Billboard series coming at you. Your way in 2021. <laughs> yeah, give us some time. Yeah. <laughs> Back to our current story. Like we mentioned earlier, Ronald had stormed out of his house in West Virginia, and he said that he was going to find his mom in Montana. Now, it's unclear if Ronald was ever able to actually find his mother in Montana, but what is clear is that Ronald and Hattie would reconcile their relationship, and the pair would eventually move to Montana together. Okay, not a good choice, Hattie. Not at all. Girlfriends, get it together. Yeah, again, you need to find a line, Hattie. All right, in October of 2000, the couple met a 43-year-old man named Craig Petridge, who was selling his RV motorhome. According to Ronald, he and Hattie seemed to get along with Craig pretty well and decided to have some drinks with him at his trailer. During their time there, Craig ended up assaulting Hattie. After this occurred, Hattie told Ronald that if he didn't kill Craig for the assault, she would do it herself. With Hattie's, we'll call it a request for some help, Ronald took his time planning his revenge. Now, we do want to point out here, it's not actually clear 
Craig assaulted Patty or if she just asked or if she had even asked Ronald to do something about it. Everything we found said at this part of the story is strictly according to Ronald. So take it as you will. What we do know is that he borrowed a 22 caliber caliber rifle from a friend and about two weeks later he lured Craig out to the Sapphire Mountains under the disguise of hanging out and enjoying some time in nature. But no, so I wonder if this is something that either of them did prior to this like let's go hang out in the woods type of thing. You know what I mean? I feel like it's like if I was a hiker and I was like Avery come hike with me it would be different than if neither one of us was a hiker and I was just like, hey, let's go for a hike in the woods. Yeah, but I mean, it doesn't actually say they went for like a legitimate hike. They like to hang out and drink some beers. Perhaps they thought, well, let's just do it outside to get today. Let's go for a walk. You know, it'd be better for our dad bods. <laughs> I don't think people were concerned about dad bods back then. Well, they didn't call it that, of course. But, you know, physical fitness first. But also... Friends are allowed to invite you or, you know, guilt you into things you don't necessarily like to do. I've never done that. I don't know why you're giving me that look. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, vertical miles count. That's Rachel, not me. I know. I'm just saying. Some friends don't count vertical miles and hikes. And like three hours later, you're questioning your friendship. Fair enough. (laughs) Anyway. As you were. Yes. While out on their hike, the two men got into a physical fight. Ronald overcame Craig by beating him with a rock and eventually shooting him three times in the chest with that twenty-two caliber rifle that he had borrowed from his friend that we mentioned earlier. He hid the body in a rock crevice, crevice, crevasse, crevasse, and then casually returned home to Hattie. The two fled the state together, leaving behind most of their possessions and even selling their car. I'm sorry, this is super shady and it kind of makes me think that the information about Hattie being assaulted and asking Ronald for help are somewhat factual. I mean, who else would be willing to just up and leave all of their stuff on a whim? That's a solid point. I mean, honestly, they're going full Bonnie and Clyde, but, you know, just plotting and committing a murder, not just robbing people across the country. I mean. But in all seriousness, if they both knew the murder was occurring, why wouldn't they have packed up all of their things? all of their stuff in advance, and just been ready to run. So does that mean that Hattie didn't know? Or was Ronald worried that he might wimp out so he didn't tell her? Or maybe the whole her being assaulted thing is actually a lie and just a way of him, like, making himself seem like he was trying to do good. Oh, so she had nothing to do with it at all. Yeah, and she just went with him because he was like, oh, we gotta go, you know, whatever. I don't know what reason anybody could give me get in the car (laughs) get in the car i'll kill you just run just run yeah i don't know well on october 16th craig's body was found by a group of hikers they also noticed that the shell casings were surrounding the body i'm gonna go with ronald probably should have cleaned up the scene a smidge more the shell casings were later forensically matched to the run ronald ronald the gun ronald (laughs) borrowed from his friend After police went and talked to his friend, they issued a warrant for Ronald's arrest. Eventually, the dynamic duo of Ronald and Hattie would make their way to California. It's here that Ronald met Jackie Travis, a a 49-year-old woman who was originally from Arkansas while they were in the city of Merced, which is north of Fresno. 
Jackie had lost her leg in a car accident when she was young, and she wore a prosthetic leg. She was also a cocaine addict and struggled with homelessness. Uh, she was able to receive some financial assistance from the state, which allowed her to get a small apartment that would very quickly become a drug den that Ronald was reported to frequent. She'd barely been in the apartment a month when her body was found raped, beaten, and stabbed on December 7th, 2000. Now, something a little different than the other murders is that Jackie's body had symbols carved into her skin. We don't know what the symbols were, but regardless of what they looked like, it must indicate some level of interest in mutilation or maybe spirituality or witchcraft. I don't know, maybe just experimentation. Maybe the killer was trying out some new things to see how it made them feel, or they had even seen it in the movie and thought, I don't know. I don't want to keep leaning on this, but people do weird shit when they're on drugs. I mean, absolutely. This could be nothing but drug stuff, and I, I don't know. If you're on acid and you thought you were painting pretty colors on her, like, who knows? I have literally no idea why it happened. There's never been any rationale or anything provided. Yeah, I'm with you on the experimentation part. Maybe you're trying to explore what you like and what you don't like. Yeah. But, I mean, based on the crimes, it doesn't seem like he's trying to get, like, closer and closer to carving people up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. doesn't seem like he's trying to become a serial killer. Yeah. It just seems like it happens. But police would arrive on the scene of Jackie's murder and would take DNA from both blood and semen that were found on her prosthetic leg. A few weeks later, the body of Shella Polly, a 32-year-old divorced mother of three was found by a man walking his dog in Modesto's Dry Creek, which was about 40 miles away from Merced, where Jackie's body was found. And at the time, Shella was a homeless woman who was working to turn her life around and her luck, and she'd recently taken exams in Las Vegas to become a nursing assistant. She'd been staying at the Modesto Gospel Mission so that she could be close to her ex-husband, which would allow the two to raise their daughter together. Her two older children, her sons, hadn't had a father. Shella's estranged husband, Tim, reported that she had been diagnosed as manic-depressive and that she had called him the morning of December 30th, asking to borrow his truck so that she could drive out to her uncle's and get her medication. Now, just a little background. Manic depression, a.k.a. bipolar disorder, is defined as manic or hypomanic episodes, which are changes from one's normal mood accompanied by high energy states. Mania often involves sleeplessness, sometimes for days, along with hallucinations, psychosis, grandiose grandiose delusions. Yes. Yes, those. Or even paranoid rage. Depressive episodes can be more devastating and are harder to treat than in people who have, who never have manias or hypomanias. Yeah, I know. People in the medical field, like props, these terms are rough. It's a mouthful. Um, But like other mood disorders, the cause of bipolar disorder is still unknown. So, Shella's ex-husband recalls telling her that if she couldn't find a ride, that he'd pick her up and take her out to her uncle's so that she could pick up her medicine. 
She never ended up getting back to him or getting that ride from Tim, and that was the last time he ever spoke to her. When he got the news of Shella's death, he was shaken because the two were in their final stages of their divorce, and it seemed to be amicable enough because she did want to make sure that their daughter remained in his life, and Tim, along with Shella's family, were trying to help Shella get back on her feet. When Shella's body was found, it was reported that she had been beaten, raped, and stabbed. Witnesses reported having seen Shella with Ronald earlier that day to the police. The two had known each other from the homeless shelter that Shella was staying at. Ronald was arrested in connection to her murder. Shortly after being taken into custody, the warrant for his arrest for the murder of Craig Petrich in Montana was discovered. Ronald was then extradited back to Montana to be tried for murder. Bail was set at $500,000, and Ronald was assigned a court-appointed lawyer. Ronald confessed to the murder of Craig and was sentenced to life in prison. He received an additional 10-year consecutive term for the use of a weapon in the killing, which, no, don't you have to? Don't you have to use a weapon in a killing? Isn't that part of it? Um, well, I mean, if you think about it, there's, like, manual strangulation or even poisoning. Yeah, but shouldn't that stuff be considered a weapon? I mean, really? I I mean, it's poison. Uh, But it's the method of your murder, right? So I don't understand why poison versus stabbing is necessarily worse. Like, what makes one worse than the other? You still killed someone. Exactly. It's all the same endpoint. It's the same intention. I have no idea. I'm not going to lie. And also, poison, you probably had to think about that stuff a lot sooner than you did if you had a knife. Yeah, you got to research it. You had to plan out what you're giving it to them. How you're going to administer it to them. Yeah, that's more premeditated than most, broad assumption here, but I would assume a lot of knife killings because that seems like an act of rage. You're in the moment. And, you know, there are a lot of knives in people's houses, but it's easily accessible. Yeah, more of a crime of passion. Correct. During the trial, uh, he showed remorse, which his defense attorney said was genuine because the murder was committed committed while Ronald was under the influence of drugs and alcohol. Patty was held on a $50,000 bail and would plead guilty to charges of accountability for tampering with or fabricating evidence. All we could find on this is that a plea agreement would recommend she receive a five-year deferred sentence. So I guess we'll assume that's just what happened. I feel like that's all we can do at this point. After his arrest, his DNA would be linked to the first murder of Kristen at the rest stop in Arkansas. Because of this, he was once again extradited, but this time to Arkansas to be tried for the murder of Kristen. He pled no contest since he had no recollection of committing the offense, but he did believe he was guilty because of the DNA evidence against him. Now, I guess I'll give him some credit for that. At least he wasn't trying to fight it. It's obvious there were facts in front of him, so at least he wasn't trying to act like he was still innocent. No, I'm with you on that, for sure. He was given another life sentence, but was sent back to Montana to serve out his sentences in a high-security cell at Montana State Prison. The same DNA evidence that linked Ronald to the murder of Kristen was later used to link him to the murder of Jackie and Shella, though no charges were ever brought against them for these murders. Against him. I think I said him, them. But against him, Ronald. Which seems insane. It's literally saying, like, yes, you did this, but we won't worry about the charges. Like, we won't get justice for those people. 
Yeah, no, I'm with you. I it it's super strange, and I feel like it's something that we've seen before, where there's a killer that's already been sentenced to like life in prison or death, so they don't get charged again. It's like the prosecution or the state or whomever doesn't want to expend the time, the effort, the resources to try another case against a person who's already not going to see freedom, who's already going to be killed or something of the sorts. But like you said, it's fucking dumb. All victims deserve justice. And I actually think that I read somewhere, I don't remember where, that he had said that if the charges had been brought against him, that he would try for the death penalty because he couldn't stand knowing what he did with no recollection of it. So I think he was truly remorseful for what he did, and he kind of knew what a shitbag he was. But that's terrifying. I mean, if that's true, I will give it to him that he's standing up. He's saying, I did it. I don't remember doing it. But you know what? All the evidence points to it. You must be right. I was drunk for those, you know, six months of my life, whatever. But that's kind of terrifying that getting that far into drugs and and booze um, can lead you down a path that you really would do things that are outside of your normal capacity. So I I feel like, I don't know, I want to say there's something inside of him because I don't think that, you know, if you and I got drunk and tried all the drugs, we'd just start murdering people. No. Right? Exactly. No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah, So it's like, I feel like there's still something deep down inside that's being triggered. It's just... So deep down, he was still a shitbag? (laughs) Yeah. He was born that way. Born Born a shitbag. And then life made him probably more so, and then the alcohol and the drugs just really put it right to the forefront. Yeah. Maybe. But speaking of being a shitbag... Do you remember what you said earlier about him being a a disorganized killer after he killed Kristen? I do. Well, do you think he fits the bill as a disorganized serial killer now that he's committed four whole murders? Well, let's find out. Disorganized serial killer typography is as follows. Kill spontaneously. Check. Leaves evidence at the scene. Check. Isn't likely to restrain the victim. Uh, I don't. No, for this one? But I would assume that would have been in the report. So I would say he's not likely. So I guess that would be a check. Oh, fair. So check. Leaves the body in plain sight. <laughs> Definite check. Below average IQ. Um, yeah. Lives close to the murder's site or victim. I want to say generally check, but for some periods, they were, yeah. some of them were homeless. So I mean, yeah, yeah. I guess since he was a nomad, you know, it, wherever he was is the site. And so, and they were all from that area. Yeah. Or, I guess currently or living. like staying. In yeah. Area. Okay. So check. Uh, crime scene is disorganized. Uh, check. Minimal stress was needed to incite the murder. I'm gonna go with check since he doesn't even remember them. So like, how stressed could he have been? Agreed. Uh, difficulty controlling emotions during the crime. Um, I kind of want to say don't know because he doesn't remember the crimes. That's a fair point. Yeah, I guess that one's kind of hard to know because in my mind, I would think that that would lend itself towards like a stabbing, you know? Yeah. Something that's very rage focused, but maybe that could be the mutilation thing. Yeah. Maybe. It seems a little artistic, I guess, for that, but yeah, uh, I don't know, maybe. Uh, And finally, violence is sudden. Uh, Most definitely check since he doesn't remember them or anything leading up to them. Agreed. So I think we can 
safely say he was a disorganized serial killer. During his prison sentence, Ronald had charges brought against him for assault on a peace officer, rioting, and possession of a weapon by a prisoner. On August 11, 2014, Ronald Ward Jr. was found unresponsive in his cell. He was transported to a nearby hospital where he was pronounced dead. Authorities refused to disclose what the cause of death was, but did confirm that it did not involve foul play. Um, so, are we thinking suicide? Maybe he had drugs smuggled to him? Like, those are the only things that I can think of other than natural causes. I feel like it would have to be something really unusual because why else would they not want to disclose it, you know? Yeah. Like, what's the point of hiding his heart attack? Yeah, I feel like it has to be something that shows, like, a weakness in their system for them to not show it. Probably. probably. Yeah, that, that's a great point. It probably was some level of embarrassment for them. Yeah, so I'm going with he smug- he had drugs smuggled in and he overdosed on them. That's my guess. Okay, I can get behind that. That makes sense to me. All right. But either way, he's dead. We really don't care. And there's your Montana murder, Liz. Are we ready for some face masks? We sure are. I'll get the supplies. All right. All right. Time for some self-care. Just a heads up, everyone. We already put our mask on. This one calls for 10 to 20 minutes. And since we don't want to dry our skin out this week, we are going to go for about 15, unless we feel like taking it off a little early. But so far, 15's our goal. But on that note, Nicole, why don't you tell us what we're trying this week? All right. So today's mask is kind of special because I had a friend of mine that I used to work with who is a Mary Kay consultant reach out to me. And thanks to her, tonight we're trying the Clear Proof Deep Cleansing Charcoal Mask, which is a fucking mouthful. And according to Mary Kay's website, the quote unquote benefits at a glance are activated charcoal, which acts like a magnet to unclog pores a formula that's clinically shown to instantly absorb excess oils and reduce shine. In a study, 79% of men and women both agreed that their skin looked clearer after using it, and extracts of rosemary and peppermint will deliver a fresh scent to awaken your your senses. Jesus, I can't talk tonight. (laughs) They also go on to highlight the key ingredients as activated charcoal, which I feel like is a huge, like, buzzword, and it's a big thing right now, so I'm really glad that they kind of explain this part. Uh, When charcoal goes through a special heating process, it becomes what is known as activated, which makes it more porous, and activated charcoal is known to absorb up to double its weight in impurities. Really? Yeah, right? Huh. I've also heard of people, this has nothing to do with skincare, but I've also heard of people, like, brushing their teeth with it or, like, making a paste out of it and putting it on their teeth to, like, help whiten their teeth. Sounds awful. It does sound awful. But also, my HR manager, her teeth are super white. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I was like, I, I just, I was like, your teeth look a lot brighter. And she told me, she was like, oh, yeah, activated charcoal. And I was like, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I know people um, take, like, the activated charcoal tablets for nausea. Mm-hmm. But that's the only thing I've heard of. Hmm. Yeah, I actually have been super hungover before. <laughs> Shocker. Um, but my my work wife told me, she's like, oh, girl, you need to get some activated charcoal pills. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? That doesn't sound real or safe. She was like, no, that's like what they give you at the emergency room if you have like food poisoning. It absorbs everything. So now I have a bottle of it that I keep around for nights that I drink too much. 
Oh, you've told me that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should get that. Yeah. I, I got, like, the CVS brand. It's not super expensive, so. Yeah. Remind me of that the next time I say I'm going to the store. <laughs> okay. Deal. Um, The other benefits, or key ingredients, I mean, sorry, are kaolin and bentonite clays, which we've talked about kaolin clays before. Mary Kay points out that studies show people with problem skin produce more, more oil than people with controlled skin do. Uh, so these clays will kind of help to reduce the amount of oil that you have on your skin. I don't know if you have oily skin, but... No, I don't. I have dry skin. I've got weird skin. I mean, I generally have combination. So I guess probably this time of year it's more combination than dry. But in the winter, definitely dry. Yeah, getting towards there. They also point out that they use honeysuckle and navy bean extract, which are to target the appearance of skin discoloration. I wonder if it'll help with pimple heads. Maybe. I don't know. But since we are doing our 10th episode tonight, before we get too much farther in, I do want to go ahead and open this lovely bottle of champagne that we have. Double digits. Double digits. So excited. So if you'll excuse us for just a moment, you might hear a little popping noise. <laughs> yeah, just don't break my ceiling, I guess. <laughs> well right. done. Hey, man. We do have this one really amazing photo uh, that I I think it might be one of our favorites of each other. But Nicole opened a bottle of champagne at my wedding and uh, didn't have to try very hard for the cork to pop off. It just flew off. It was, it's the most candid and exciting picture. It's one of my favorite pictures. Yes. So the photographers caught me uh, very nicely gasping. So it's pretty funny. I think my face is also pretty shocked. Come cheers me. To ten. To ten. Oh, man, we should have done a bubble mask. Too late. All right, 20 it is. Bubble mask. Deal. So, um, last week I mentioned that I had something I wasn't ready to talk about yet. But another reason that we're celebrating is tomorrow morning I go to closing on my first home. Woo woo! I'm so excited. Um, I'm doing it first thing in the morning, and it is, it's just been a whirlwind of an experience. I went and I toured the condo, and my mom went with me. We were wearing masks. Like, we were very safe about it. We get in the car, and my mom looks at me and goes, do we even need to look anywhere else? <laughs> and quite honestly, we didn't, because I knew I was fated to live there. But we still went and looked at other places just in case I didn't get it. You got to make sure you cover your bases. You can't fall in love with the first one, which it wasn't your first one. It was not. No, I had seen several others before that. But it was it was actually the first one with this realtor. And she just, she nailed it. It's like she looked into my soul <laughs> and knew where I needed to live. I love it. <laughs> but since you have owned... This is your second home. Yes. Do you have any tips for me as I go into completing this process or any tips for any of our listeners who might be in similar shoes as me? Yeah. Um, So when I first bought my condo, I had only a weekend to pack all my stuff and move it. So I, I think I had legitimately two days to from like getting the keys to moving all my stuff in, which I don't recommend. 
it's very stressful. But uh, it was stressful because I wanted to clean the house head to toe before anything got in there. So you want to make sure all your floors are clean. I shampooed my rugs, just any and everything, because obviously cleaning is so much easier with nothing in your way. True. And then same thing goes for painting. So we painted every room in my condo, which, I mean, granted, there weren't very many, Mm -hmm. but still uh, trying to do all of that in two days around work. It wasn't even a weekend uh, is rough. So my boyfriend at the time, now my husband, was a trooper and stayed with me and did all of it with me. He's the best. One person could not do that volume of work. It's just not possible. I mean, I would have tried and then, like, killed myself, but... So my advice is to try to clean everything and paint any walls that you really just can't stand, especially if you know a big piece of furniture is going up against it. Good tips. Good tips. I have that one blue wall that I know I want to paint, but I don't have anything big going in front of it. Yeah, one wall is so much easier because Mm -hmm. you can keep something away from that. But if it's a whole room, like especially like a living room or a bedroom, once you put your bed in, like, are you going to move it really? Not really. Probably not. Probably not. You'll be deterred from painting it the color you want. That's true. So. I honestly, if we're going to talk about decorating, I honestly think I'm going to only paint over that blue wall because I hate it. It's so weird. I shouldn't even take pictures. Yeah. It, it's very um, electric. Yes. That's a good word for it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, I think that, because I don't, honestly, I don't have any of my furniture yet. I haven't picked out a couch because I don't know which wall I want to put it on, so I don't know what size it needs to be. And I just want to get in there when there's not anyone else's stuff in there and be like, okay, well, this is how I should lay it out. And my best friend Sarah's coming up to help me get all my stuff in, and we're going to have celebratory champagne that night, which you are coming to, right? Obviously. Good. That's as far as I've gotten is I want to get in there. I want to, you know, start cleaning. I want to start looking around and figuring out what's going to go where. And uh, I think that's the best thing you can do, honestly. I mean, I think we, we moved into our house uh, two months before we bought our actual bed. Ooh, right? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah we stayed in our guest room mm-hmm. and we, because we knew we wanted to go there and waited until we found the thing we thought fit. So it's better to slow roll and get what you want instead of trying to buy it all in advance. And one, not fitting. How awful. I know. Or you just, you know, you don't feel that vibe. It doesn't go with your feng shui, whatever. Yeah, I also want to be able to, like, go and sit on a couch. Because I've seen couches that look beautiful and they look comfortable. But then you sit on them and you're like, I feel like I'm sitting on a fucking broom. Yeah. It makes me think of all IKEA furniture, which... I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Some IKEA furniture is really great, so that's not true. It just it's what me what it makes me think of. Yeah. Very um. Ooh, like if you ever go to an Airbnb mm-hmm. in Europe, oh, that type I've of furniture. That. Really? I've been to the Airbnb we went to in Iceland. Yes, any of those. It's very minimalistic. It's small. Yeah, because you don't want strangers ruining your shit. A hundred percent. But that's what it makes me think of. Fair. Yeah. And I hotel like, stuff. Yeah. No, I feel like. When I think IKEA furniture, I think either that or like college students. Oh, I don't think college students. Like just like fresh like fresh out of college. Like this is my first Maybe. For me, I never bought IKEA furniture because we have one up here. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to drive and you know, furniture does not fit in my car. So I would go and I would just go buy like plants. 
and like a fun bowl. <laughs> we're never getting the big stuff. I can't with you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh gosh. But something we do want to and maybe probably should just go ahead and bring up now is because of my big move, we're not going to be able to bring you guys some crime next week. We're going to take a little break, let Nicole get settled, give us a little time just to go ahead and get ahead because no one knows how long each of these stories takes. It's a surprise every week. That and like, I don't know how long it's going to take me to get everything unpacked and organized. And I thought I didn't have a lot of stuff. And so I started putting it in boxes. Oh, there's nothing worse than packing your kitchen. That's my nightmare. Oh, the kitchen was the easy part because everything was in storage and already boxed up. Well, okay. And I was living with my mom. It's Basically cheating. <laughs> well, I also did. Well, I had to unpack it because all the boxes have been in there for like three years. So they're all like. We don't want to hold your shit anymore. <laughs> Literally, I had a box, like, while I was moving stuff out of storage, like, break. I only lost one thing. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, you didn't tell me that. Oh, yeah. It was this, um, just, like, Mickey Mouse mug that I used in my bathroom, I think. Like, makeup brushes or something, which I clearly use a lot of makeup. Quarantine. What's makeup? <laughs> what is makeup? I basically only fill my eyebrows in now. Actually. That's how I was before. Who am I trying to kid? (laughs) So we will, even though we won't have crime for you, we will still have a self-care session. Yes. We have a special segment that we recorded with our favorite skincare guru, Selena. She's agreed to join us again. Yes. So we have some questions that we have for her to answer. Maybe it's something that you've thought of that you just haven't written in about. Podcast at gmail.com. We just, like, we've got some questions for her. She's got some stuff she wants to talk to us about. We're going to try out a new face mask with her. We just want to make sure everybody's able to get their self-care in. We will post in the morning what mask we're doing. So if you want to get a chance to get out there and try it with us, do it. Yeah. And not going to lie, guys, when we recorded with Selena last time, we basically cut her off because we thought 45 minutes was plenty of content. So... We can definitely fill one episode with Jester. 110%, for sure. No problem. So it'll be good. And if you have any questions you want to submit to us, DM us, email us, whatever you want. Uh, We'll put a poll out there, too, or a questionnaire. What's it called? I only know how to do polls. Maybe it's definitely not a poll. Whatever. We will find ways to get y'all's input on things you want to hear from Selena, because... As you know, we can only help you so much. But she has all of the science and the information in her brain, and she needs somewhere to put it. All right, I guess it's time to go ahead and take this mask off. Yep, timer hit. And we have one more piece of exciting news for you when we come back. All right, guys, and we're back. And Avery's got our next little nugget of exciting news. Yes, it is time for our very first giveaway. What? Yeah. Guys, get excited. So the reason we picked our Mary Kay mask this week was because that is who we will be giving away products for um, in our giveaway. One of them is the mask we actually tried tonight, so you can have your own chance to do it. Uh, it's actually four products, though. So we have the deep cleansing charcoal mask, the one that we tried. Then we also have a moisture renewing gel mask. Then, just to get out of the mask realm and, you know, things that are just good for you overall, we have a little sunscreen 
for your face, a little SPF 50, if you will. And then finally, a makeup finishing spray for the days you do want to put on your makeup. So the gamut, all kinds of stuff. But we will be posting all of the details on our Instagram the same day that this comes out. So ask murder podcast. Yes, exactly. So check out our Instagram for all of the details. We will post it. And then the following Friday, we will pick the winners and we'll DM you, let you know that you won, and we'll figure out how to get it to you. But it's very exciting. We're super excited. Yeah. Check it out. Tell all your friends because who doesn't like free stuff? Um, No one. If it's free, it's for me. Yeah. No one. And honestly, I did have a a momentary been like, what if we only gave away three things? What if I just kept this? Oh, which which one? Because I kind of thought the same thing. Uh, actually, I was thinking the SPF. Oh, were you? Yeah. Hmm, that's funny. So you would have been fighting over it. Really? Is that what yeah. you're doing now? <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> oh. Yeah. As soon as I saw it, I was like, ooh, fancy SPF. Yes, please. Well, now cat's out of the bag. we got to give it away. Okay. I know. Uh, so should we get on to our grade? Yes. Let's. Oh, am I going first? Uh, yeah, you can go first. Okay. So, charcoal mask. Kind of standard. You know, nothing really out of the ordinary when it comes to a charcoal mask if you're used to it. Uh, pretty easy to put on. We were told, or like the description says that it has a scent. I personally did not think it smelled like anything. I don't know if it was just me. No, it definitely wasn't just you. I didn't really feel like it had a strong scent. But I also feel like the sample size wasn't quite enough. Like, I felt like the amount that was on my skin was very thin and kind of spotty in some areas. Agreed. Agreed. And yes, like half of my face dried before the other half. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it came off really easily and there, you know, wasn't any unpleasant feelings. There's no burning. There's no pulling on my skin. So overall, it was a pretty clean mask. Uh, I definitely recommend the 15 minutes or less. Uh, Again, we did put it on a little thinner than what we probably would have if we had the whole container. Mm -hmm. But I think we probably could have even gone with 10 minutes. It got a little, a little extra dry. Yeah. I think it's a little unfair to grade this because charcoal mask you really can't tell directly after you do it however um we have to so here we are i think i will give this mask a b minus okay i do that because i was promised a peppermint scent and there was zero and it's mainly because of the sample size i didn't get enough coverage i don't know if I necessarily got all of the benefits that I was hoping for. Yeah. I do love a good charcoal mask, as if you've heard from our very first episode. They're my favorite, but it's just, it didn't do all of the, um, like, tingling sensations and the gratifying feelings I normally get out of them. So it's a little super superficial, I guess, but so far, B-. minus. Okay. So I have a lot of the same concerns as you. I kind of interjected myself into your review, so whatever. It's fine. I forgive you. Good. Not that I was asking for it, but I'll take it, whatever. Um, No, I do think that I would go more B+, though, because I did feel like 
like you know that how they say it, like charcoal pulls out the impurities. I I feel like my skin feels cleaner, and I don't know if it's just like in my head, but my skin does feel cleaner. Wow, maybe you're a superhero. I am a superhero. What yeah, you about? <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Oh yeah, I um, I feel like if I had more in the sample size that I would have a better grasp of how it actually would make my skin feel. But I do feel like I walked away from the amount that we had feeling good. I was kind of skeptical at first. I was like, this is not going to cover my face. I was like, this is going to cover one cheek. I'm going to have a half a face. It did actually seem like that at first. I was like, what? I I guess we can just try the one section of our face. We did talk about that. Did we ever bring that up to Selena? Oh, no. Put it on the list. (laughs) Write it down. All right. So I guess is that all for this week? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, don't forget to like our page on Facebook, to follow us on Instagram at Masked Murder Podcast. Send us all your emails because we will read them and we will respond to them at massmurderpodcast at gmail.com. And that's for any show notes, any questions, any comments. Make sure you go and leave us a good review. Please. Please, please. Five stars. And that's all for this week. Take Take care care of yourselves. yourselves. Sources for this week include the Billings Gazette, Great Falls Tribune, The Independent Record, The Missoulin, Medium.com, Modesto B, Oakdale Leader, Udemy.com, and MaryKay.com.